Welcome back to another episode of Ends With Z. I'm Juan Fernandez. Once again, along with Cecile Munoz and our executive producer, Sean Moe, we're back at the mic, back in the bungalow, and back at the table to continue our discussion on grind culture. How are you doing? We're here. We're here. <laughs> we're grinding away. And right? we're melting. It is so hot in LA. It is hot and humid, but not as hot as my hometown, um, which I think when you're already tired and feel like you've been hustling too hard, it just uh -huh. adds another layer of exhaustion, exhaustion, Weather, traffic. Hard but you work, were everything. you were in even a hotter place. You were in Vegas. I was in Las Vegas, and yeah, uh, I'm still pretty tired from it. I was there last week for a journalism conve convention. It was the National Association of Black Journalists and National Association of Hispanic Journalists. They do a joint convention every four years. Mm, great. And I met a lot of great young people coming up through the business. These are, uh, you know, millennials, mm. uh, Gen Zers. And let me tell you, um, they're grinding. Mm -hmm. They're working hard. Um, I had a chance to do some recruiting for my company and, and speak to them. And it was almost like I was looking into a mirror um, oh, wow. of my younger self. And they it's were interesting telling, because... Mm -hmm. um, I know that the common belief is that millennials are lazy, right. that they're not driven, they're not motivated. And I know we've talked about the mm -hmm. fact that the stats just don't prove that. Mm -hmm. And and this was for for CBS. Uh, well, this was for um, this is the these two organizations, the journalist groups. Um, they have their yearly convention mm -hmm. where they have different um, meetings and groups on basically how to advance your career, what's mm -hmm. hot, Great. what's new and mm -hmm. whatnot. And a lot of companies come in. Spectrum News was there, CNN, The Weather Channel, oh, Fox Weather, CBS, NBC. Basically, um, they want to be out there and they want to see people because mm -hmm. as we've talked about on, on the podcast, mm -hmm. there's a shortage of workers just about everywhere. And like I said, I was talking to some of these young people. I spoke to three African-American women, young women, amazing, talented women, and one Latino male anchor mm -hmm. um, who is my age, he's mm -hmm. in his 50s, and he's looking to transition back to New York City. So anyways, we have a chance to kind of chit-chat mm -hmm. and talk to them, and like I was saying, it was like looking into a mirror. Mm. Of my younger self, <laughs> they were telling me, I'm willing to go anywhere I need to go, I will work any shift, I will do anything I need to do, and I was explaining to them just the, the future of the business has a lot to do with what's called the mass media journalist, and MMJ, which you might have seen it already uh, here and there, it's basically, you on your own with either a cell phone or what's called the prosumer camera. It's uh -huh. a smaller um, broadcast quality camera and you are your one man band so journalist. Let me, let me break that down. Yeah. So when you started in the business yeah. 27 years ago. Almost, well, 30 years 30 ago. 30 right? years ago. Mm -hmm. It was, and you were reporting, you had a cameraman, right. you had maybe one other person. So well, it was a group of Well, when I first started, yeah, there was the cameraman who we would go out mm -hmm. and shoot the story, and then there was a live truck operator mm -hmm. who would meet us at, at our location who would just set up the shot, make sure we were in a safe place, get the signal back to the station so we could feed back our story. Now, with technology as wonderful as it is, you know, everything is kind of truncated. So you don't need an audio man to hold a microphone. Mm -hmm. There's microphones or handheld. Mm -hmm. um, and you don't need... Um, a live truck in most cases, you could what's called FTP back mm -hmm, mm -hmm. your um, story. It takes a little longer, but now with great internet connections, mm -hmm. you can basically send back a, a minute 30 piece in under 10 minutes, and it's ready for air, high quality, high def. And a lot of these younger people are editing their stories in their cars, on their laptops, and then sending it back. So wow. 
that's a lot of hard work and you have to think about yourself your personal safety all these these things and and they're grinding it and you can see it in their face they're they're so excited to be in the business you know i don't want to be that um burnout warning guy right. but um <laughs> they they did give me a lot of hope that the business is still alive it's still going to go on for for years to come but um the grind is real yeah, well, but right for them they're doing the job of Exactly. People. That's right. what I was going to say. That's mm -hmm. why I asked Juan, because I remember you did a couple of stories at my house, That's which right. were so much fun. Right. Even uh, a producer would show up. Yes, um, the ghost one. We did a story did, um, on, ghosts. on ghosts in your house. Yeah. And yeah, a third person would show up, which would be a producer, just kind of overlooking things. And now the, the business is basically it's one person, yeah. uh, one camera. And a laptop in the trunk of your car. Wow. And, and you can produce broadcast quality television. Which is fantastic. And, and that's one of the things that um, is is a is a catch-22. There's always advantages to things, but we have to think about where where is that mm -hmm. maybe disadvantaging us and, and how do we bridge that gap. And, and what I mean is technology. It's wonderful that's truncated right. and is made it accessible mm -hmm. and feasible and is reduced costs it sure for has. the organization. Mm -hmm. But where the, did those costs shift? Because typically, just like the in physics, displacement of water, you know, you, you, the water has to go somewhere. Right. That the, 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 the time, the energy, the, the focus went now all onto this reporter, which is great because they have greater skills and it's more efficient. But but how is he learning? You've learned your, the camaraderie that you had with right. the sound guys, with mm -hmm. the producers. Where does that all, how is that all absorbed and where you're not just alone? Right. Well, I always felt having a, another set of eyes with me. Exactly. Um, a photographer, for example, and you've met one of my more um, yes. favorite photographers who's, who's come here to the house. Um, whenever we would finish shooting a story, if I was stuck on where to start the story, just where I wanted to, to leap off from, I would turn to them and say, hey, what's what's your best video? What do you think is the best thing we should start with? And mm -hmm. they would cue up the tape. Collaboration. Well, picture of this. What do you think? And I'm like, boom. And then suddenly it was like a floodgate. I knew exactly where I wanted to go mm -hmm. in the story. If I had to worry about what I shot and who I interviewed and was the, the shot focused and is the audio good, I mean, there are chances you're going to make mistakes. In fact, we have somebody who... Um, who does that uh, job here in Los Angeles. And there's been times where, I mean, you just can't help it. Um, mm -hmm. Technical issues come up and, you know, the story can't be fed or, or the yeah. SD card gets wiped away. Yeah. And there's basically all your work for the day is done. So the fallibility of technology, yeah. which is, is a great leaping point to, mm -hmm. to, to talk about where we want to continue to the discussion right. of the, the, grind and, and hustle culture, which all leads to, to burnout and, and people not living the most fulfilling life. Right. And where does that come from? So we've, we talked about where that comes from. What we want to talk about today is, is to say, well, how is this doing things better? Who's, who's really benefiting? And, mm -hmm. and, but more importantly, how do we, how do we as individuals, as colleagues, as friends and, and husbands and wives and brothers and sisters, how do we as a community make better choices so that we can be supportive of each other and we can start making different mm -hmm. choices so that we don't we don't keep this 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 grind going because obviously if we don't do something consciously it becomes a generational um 
problem right? yeah mm-hmm. and it, it just mm-hmm. keeps it's just it keeps uh going it's there's no no end and stop and not only my business but any business out there it's still intergenerational there's yes. the, the older folks yeah. the ones that are close to retirement there's the 40 somethings there's the gen zers the millennials all working together you know like you said how many more generations do we need to go before we finally reach a new normal where mm-hmm. it's not about burnout where it's about that perfect um you know, perfect, what a word, right, for uh, work-life balance. Is that even possible? Well, I think part of that generational continuation was kind of on purpose because the Mm -hmm. older generations always told and continue to tell the younger generations, you have to pay your dues. And paying your dues is working hard and doing the the hardest work. Mm -hmm. That the older or once you're established, you don't have to do those things. But when you're starting, you're expected to do those things. And that hasn't changed. Yeah, Correct. And so if we think about that, when you say you have to pay your dues, I agree that you have to go through the muck to appreciate a sure. nice clean shower, right? Mm-hmm. But if we examine you have to pay your dues and how sometimes people feel about that, I know that mm-hmm. in the corporate world, there are things that, uh, especially among women, reaching behind and helping other women. There's the there's the queen bee concept. There's a there's a group of of people, and this is not just uh, exclusive to women in the corporate world that are mean. That's oh. that 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 are want to that don't want to help other people because they say if mm-hmm. I had to suffer, you have to suffer. Mm-hmm. Which, if we just reframe that and say going through the the journey is where the where the learning happens but refocus it from coming from a negative perspective of you have to pay your dues to there is so much value and learning like what we're talking about with yeah. the story that you shared i think it was about pancho or, or one of your your yeah. your um part of your team mm-hmm. there's a lot of value in this so if we move it from they have to they have to suffer as a way to validate our suffering or mm-hmm. meaning to our suffering to say Come of it from a place of support and joy and empathy to say, I'm here to help. I'm here to help you make better choices and give you from my knowledge so that we can make a, a better world and a better workforce. And, and like you said, it's how you frame it, right? Mm-hmm. You, can, you can be really mean about it or you can say to somebody as a mentor mm-hmm. um, or if you're receiving as a mentee, hey, this is what you need to do. This is what worked for me. You let them know and then it's up to them whether or not they, they want to follow through with, with that. But you're right, Sean. It's amazing how many just unconscious, it is deep in our DNA. Uh, and sometimes belief systems it we is have. conscious because That's true. At, the, at the end of the day, it's a competition. We are competing for the same dollars, yeah. the same mm-hmm. clients, the same customers. So maybe they don't want to help because they don't want the competition and they don't want to give you their secret sauce because they feel like you need to figure out your own secret sauce. Yeah. So as we were going through a lot of the wonderful research um, for in preparation for this podcast, I dove into a really great report that was just put out by McKinsey, one of the world's most formidable consultancies. Mm-hmm. They now have a, uh, I'm not sure how long it's been up, but I, it's the first time I really dove into a, group, a subgroup inside of McKinsey, which is the, the McKinsey Health mm-hmm. uh, Institute. And okay. so the data and the research and the work that they do with global clients is all around mental health and within the workforce and of course in the in the world at large and they interviewed thousands of of employees thousands of hr professionals in 15 different countries and the 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 net net 
result mm-hmm. of their findings was burnout from the grind culture has to be fixed, not just on the individual level, not just of here we're going to start offering yoga classes mm-hmm. at, at, the, at, right. the, at the office, but it has to start changing from an infrastructure perspective, from our approach about work, from the way we reward things, the way we address toxic behavior in the workplace, the way we reward people and we engage people, all the things that we've been talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it has to, and it's not just, again, a one and done. We have to do it on a consistent basis. Like you bringing up this example of, of how this uh, new reporter does stories is vastly different than what you did. Sure. We can get excited because it's so great and it's all in the palm of his hand, but it's the responsibility of the company to say, where all these things are benefiting us because reduction in cost and all these and manpower and vans and everything else. Mm-hmm. Where did that cost shift to? And then how do we support that employee? Maybe right. it's more training, more engagement with other senior producers. Right. Maybe it's active mentoring. And it's constantly shifting too, mm-hmm. because for example, um, this type of journalist should only be doing stories when it's not day of breaking news type of things, mm-hmm. right? Where you just go out, you do a story about maybe a shopkeeper who has a, a new product or mm-hmm. or something fun, a feature story, what we would call. But once it goes into a breaking news mode, they do assign somebody uh, to go with that person because right. it's just a, an issue of safety. It's, you know, again, four eyes are better than two mm-hmm. and just you both watch your back in that type of situation. So it's like little tweaks, right? It's minor tweaks. I think mm-hmm. that happen in all businesses. It just no one has really found that perfect formula, right, to avoid burnout within the company, right? But but think about it. So now this this new guy that you are talking yeah. about, the point of entry for someone that wants that job isn't right. just someone that can that, report. They now have to be able to right. do the sound, right. set up the shot. Right. And if you don't have that background, you're never going to get to that point. Yeah. So there's, you know, even before you get to the professional job, mm-hmm. there's a lot of now training and that you have to do on your own. Right. And that's the first thing that's being offered. The only thing really that benefits a lot of these companies is that the people applying for these jobs are younger people. Mm-hmm. So they've had YouTube channels since they were in high school. They've, they've done TikTok and Snapchat mm-hmm. and Instagram, and they know what they look like on video. In fact, that was one of the things I was so surprised. Is that's fascinating. Some of the young women that I was watching their work, of course, they would pull up their resumes on YouTube. You know, I used to have to walk around with a VHS tape or a DVD, (laughs) depending on what decade we were talking about. Oh, my God. And they were fantastic. These women were great. And they just had such a good camera presence, a sense Mm -hmm. of their body, their voice, how they they came across. And I think that a lot has a lot to do with the fact they grew up with, Mm -hmm. you know, cameras on their cell phones. They knew how to FaceTime. Light a shot. And whatnot. Um, if you look back at my first resume tape, right, right when I was in in college, this was what I actually built in college. I was not. It was terrible, actually. Um, <laughs> there was no expression in my face. There was no movement. There was no animation because I was trying to be, you know, a reporter, uh, a serious? reporter, serious, right? I have you were to, you were looking at a at a former generation's interpretation. Right. Of and reporting, you know, and what's funny is like, you know how they say camera adds 10 pounds. Well, it also removes a lot of facial expression. It moves a lot of what you see in your face. So you almost have to overact a little bit mm. in order for that I to translate. That. Right. Mm. You, your eyebrows have to go up a little higher. Your eyes have to open up a little more. And, you know, um, that sort of thing. So I never had that. But these these younger, um, I would say kids, because, yeah, they're could be my kids. <laughs> Um, they've had this technology at their at their in the palm of their hand for so long, and that really helps 
with what they're doing. So they're kind of coming into it already. They know how to edit videos on their laptop mm -hmm. because they edit their videos for YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, they know how to speak mm -hmm. to camera because they've been sending their friends video messages for the longest time. And they know how to use filters and they know how to use the wow. best of the best. So it is in, in this case, it is generational where where folks like me had to learn. You know, people ask me, did someone give you um, voice lessons? No, nobody gave me. You, you just kind of figure it out on your own. And so we have to be generous yeah. with our knowledge, I think, is is yeah. one of the, the ways of how do we help improve the grind culture? Mm -hmm. How do we start creating a more empathetic, more supportive mm -hmm. at an institutional level? Right. Um, culture within the workforce and outside of the workforce is just is being more empathetic is mm -hmm. is sitting back and thinking about all the things we had to we had to teach ourselves and we had to figure out and and as we've said before sometimes in in the workforce when we started managers wanted to be drill sergeants managers wanted mm -hmm. that they were supposed to beat the heck yeah. out of you to to make you tougher well like I say, everything in moderation, everything in balance, and everything will balance out at the end. Uh, where I don't subscribe to that mentality of management, but mm -hmm. I think somewhere where we both teach people how to be strong and adaptable at the same time being empathetic. And and again, statistically, uh, when I was pouring through this research from McKenzie, they were talking about what makes people more resilient and that's something that we talk a lot about in this mm -hmm, podcast mm -hmm. because it's all inter interconnected and they said that one of the key factors by 60 percent people who are adaptable deal with the pressures and the stresses and the grind of of work uh, much better mm -hmm. and they are 60 percent more uh, apt to recognize when something is not good for them and have the courage to make a change and I think it comes from the fact that you feel confident in yourself yeah. that you can adapt and you can move on. And we've talked about that. We we all three have it that way. We all three have this inner confidence that says, I can I can do anything, I can That's right. move forward and, 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 and figure anything out. And I think teaching people how to maneuver through work, always thinking about themselves and their mental health so they can be better, more adaptable, but do that with great empathy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's how we start changing in one way. The, the internal workings of the machine that we call the grinding work. Right. And I know a lot of younger people eventually ask themselves, is this all worth it, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we all get there to that point. I wanted to ask you both before we continue this conversation, whether knowing what you know now, looking back, do you have any regrets? Um, what are we talking about specifically? Because that's, a, that's well, an open <laughs> can of worms that well, we don't want to break myself. into. Um, when I look back, no, I don't have any regrets. Like, yeah, there, there, there were probably moments uh, when I hit a fork in the road that I should have made another decision. But the decision I made back then led me to where I am today. And today is me mm -hmm. talking to you and, mm -hmm. and having the friendship we've had for so long and mm -hmm. the job that I have and the life that I have. So I look back and, yeah, many times weren't ideal times. Mm -hmm. and, and you get angry at yourself maybe for not having spoken yeah. up for yourself yeah. or mm -hmm. whatever. Um but I, I don't have regrets. So I'm just wondering, you two are hard workers. We're from the same generation. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you moved from Kentucky, Sean. Um, Cecile, you left family uh, in, in Arizona. Mm -hmm. um, any regrets? I mean, I left my floor, my family in Florida too. Mm -hmm. um, do, do I regret missing out on some things? Yeah, sure. I can't turn back time, mm -hmm. but I'm glad that, you know, I am where I am today, right? Yeah. Sean? 
Well, I moved away from Kentucky. This year will be 30 years. Oh, my. 1992 when I graduated college. Um, so I don't think I have regrets, but I'm definitely aware that I have missed out on a lot mm. of things, especially with family and mm-hmm. and family that's no longer here. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can't, like you said, get that time back. Um, I don't necessarily regret it but i am aware of it and conscious of it very similar in in that aspect do you think you became more aware as time passed or has Mm -hmm. that always been in the back of your mind the conscious decision that you were making for the life here um well i think i was always aware even Mm -hmm. me too even right when i moved away because my whole family was still there i was the only one that left Mm -hmm. basically same with me so you know every Easter every holiday I think oh you know my family's all together and it's like I'm missing out on the meals the stories the camaraderie and over time you you just kind of not think about it as much but you're always aware of it even when they say I'm say I'm sure they say it for you they say it for me maybe for you I'm sure your mom says it Juan when are you coming home mm-hmm. even though I've lived here longer than I lived back home Yes. If they still use the term, uh, when are you coming home? And yeah. I still say I'm going home, but this is my home. Right. Yeah, I've lived away from Kentucky longer than I lived there. Mm-hmm. And I've actually lived in L.A. longer now than I've lived. In. L.A. is now my the longest I've lived yeah. in yeah. any other city, which blows me away. Yeah. Um, but yeah, whenever I even when I go home, when I'm leaving, they ask, when are you coming back? Yeah. <laughs> And that just comes from love. Yeah. And that just comes from love. For me, regret is a really heavy word. Mm-hmm. There's no shame in regret. It's just like you were saying, we were both kind of, aw- we have awareness mm-hmm. of it. But, you know? you know, there may not be shame in regret, mm-hmm. but there's to me, because words matter so much okay. and, and the meaning of them. But to me, regret is is a, brings a burden of constantly beating myself up with it mm-hmm. I can bring up a few examples since I'm recently divorced but we're not um, so I'd rather think of it this way so I don't think about regret uh, as, as the word that I choose I think about the most important lessons that I want to learn so that I don't repeat them in my life mm-hmm. and I think about the choices that I made to have the life that I have. And, and I always ask myself, not why, not why did you make them and beat myself over the head with that, but to say, what were my priorities and are the priorities still the same today? Mm-hmm. What was it about me? What was it about me from a good place or a, or a weak place that, that drove me to that choice? Because we're constantly making sacrifices yeah. in life, constantly. Mm-hmm. Every day we make a sacrifice. We made a sacrifice to be here today versus doing something else. Right. Um, and if you think about the word sacrifice, it, it, it comes from the Latin word to make sacred. So what are you making sacred, more sacred than what you could be doing? And it is really hard for me mm-hmm. to have left my family at such a young age because um, I lived in, in France for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it is hard, but as much as I, I miss having my, my father in my life, he died when I was 30 because he was much older than my mom. And, and as much as to me, there was God, then there was my dad and then the yeah. rest of the world. Um, and as much as sometimes I have for years beat myself up over that, I know that 
my father wanted nothing but for his kids to be loving and and mm-hmm. in close with each other and loving and good people in the world and he kept saying to all of us you have to go out and make your way in the world and you have to be a better person mm-hmm. and you have to make the mm-hmm. world a better place and whatever my path was that was my path and so i think of it from the standpoint of i I've made a lot of decisions in my life, some better than others, and I'm going to continue to make some better than others. Um, But the best decision that I can make every day is to understand myself better as to why I make those decisions, Mm -hmm. how I can be a better Mm -hmm. person and not beat myself up. Uh, Sean, um, uh, off, off mic, just said something to me that sent me through a million things in my head where I was going to start beating myself up. And I have to consciously mm-hmm. choose to say, I made those series of choices from a loving, right. happy place. Yes. And I honor myself for doing that. Right. So, and the others that I made that didn't land me on Channel 2 News uh, <laughs> were being arrested for going crazy were also very good choices. So, no, I, 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 I don't even allow myself to use mm-hmm. that word regret because I own I like every that. one of my decisions. Um, and I know that the only time I would use it, including very recently, would have been from a really mean, hurt place. Right. And later looking back at yourself, mm-hmm. when you do approach from a from a mean, hurtful place, you just feel crappy about it. Later yeah. you feel crappy about yourself. I hurt myself all over again. Right. I allow that yeah. person to hurt me all over again. Right. And and I've I've given certain people in my life enough power. So I'm I am focused. We are focused on how do we become stronger, how do we become more adaptable, and how do we craft a better life for ourselves, still being productive people, still having the careers that we want, still having um, meaning in our Mm -hmm. life, both in our personal and professional life. Look, as as bad as the the, we we see the things in the economy, as expensive as things are in the economy, Mm -hmm. things are in terms of, of work, are are getting better? What is the uh, the uh, unemployment rate came out? Uh, it's very low. Lower three than something. Yes, three three point five or something. The mm-hmm. lowest it's been in yeah. in decades, uh, and and how much we recovered in a post pandemic world. So um, we have the opportunity as individuals to to address a really important part of our life, a really mm-hmm. big part of our life, which is our work life mm-hmm. in a different way. So how yeah. can we do that better? How can we come back at it um, multi-generationally? And I think we have a responsibility as an older generation to be more loving and compassionate and understanding and also strong, teach them how to be stronger so they can be adaptable. Right. Because we've they make been their, there, done yes. that, and now mm-hmm. we're all moving forward. So our history, right? Our history is we very have perspective. Important. We have perspective. So no regrets. We're constantly evolving, and yeah. that's what we're doing today. Yeah. Right? Thinking, how do we make things better? Well, we have to first learn how to manage, like you said, our emotions and our stress, mm-hmm. and use it to our advantage. Uh, I was reading uh, an article in McKinsey, uh-huh. and they were talking about ways to optimize stress. And one of the interesting things that I, they said was the body doesn't doesn't recognize stress as a bad thing because it's just pure adrenaline. It's it's yes, interesting. It's, it's not a bad thing necessarily because if you view stress the way an athlete views working out, stress is the workout, and if you take the proper time to recover after the workout, mm-hmm. you build the muscle. Mm-hmm. So in order to build your resilience to stress or the way that you can 
recover from stress, you really have to take that time to recover from the stressful event so that you can build yourself back up for the next wow. one. Optimizing stress, it's almost like an oxymoron. Yeah, you after have... Sean explains it, it, it does make a lot of sense, right? Yeah, and, and because that's basic. When We've all done strength training, and that's what it is. You have mm-hmm. to beat up the muscle. You have to right. stress out the muscle uh, to, for to, to force it to, mm-hmm. to change its, its normal habits recover. and allow it to recover. I cannot right now remember the name of a, of a disease. There is a very serious disease that, that um, top athletes can get if they do not allow themselves to, to recover. Uh, I, I dipped, unfortunately, my toe into that when I was doing triathlons when I was really mm-hmm. young because your body can't handle your, your muscles of, of pushing them so hard without any recovery time uh, catapult your body into this extraordinarily distressed state that is, is very dangerous. So yet we, we, we don't do that to ourselves when we have mental stress. And, and think about it, because of this pandemic, we've been under constant chronic stress mm-hmm. for about two and a half years. Mm-hmm. So we really need to take the time to recognize we need to recover from these stressful events. And we can't live in fight or flight mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah, it seems like, you know, we're still dealing with COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you recall just a few weeks ago, apparently polio was back in the news. Yes. Apparently cases were popping up. And now monkeypox, which started in small local communities Mm -hmm. has now grown into a national um, emergency where the white house has stepped in and, and, and they're, they're trying to get as much vaccine out to as many people who need it. I mean, talk about stress. It's like, you're not even done with COVID and here you go Mm -hmm. with, 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 even if, you know, I've been vaccinated for polio, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we all have. I, I don't think that's and, and, and it's going to happen to me. But I mean, now you're, you're talking about monkeypox. You're talking. I mean, what else? But we is still next? think about that's it. Super stressful, sure. And so, if you if that's why being adaptable, that's mm-hmm. why having a, an incredible support system, and that is is also why us taking a proactive approach to the best of our ability, what is available to us, because all Mm -hmm. of us have different uh, options available to us. Um, Not all of us have the same careers, not all of us have the same financial resources. But if we bring mindfulness, it is important now because of how much the world has changed. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be extremes like a pandemic. If you you just think of the factors of 24-7 news, constant feeding of information through multiple devices your watch your phone your ipad your whatever Mm -hmm. and global potential cataclysmic events because of global warming just the floods the winter the rains the climate change climate change alone all all of this that is really stressful to people um and, and so uh learning how to find our quiet place as we know there's there's multiple forms of rest we don't rest Mm -hmm. is not just sleep there's mental rest there's rest for creativity there's emotional rest we've talked about this in other podcasts Mm -hmm. um we we have to to embrace all that's available to us Mm -hmm. to embrace support structure to embrace our right to have a work environment that is supportive of us so Mm -hmm. that we can bring our best self so that we can work hard and and give brilliant ideas in the best of ourselves is it is a human right it is Mm -hmm. not a privilege it's a human basic right Mm -hmm. and we also have to challenge the systems that are perpetuating these things um in the negative way you mean negative Mm -hmm. way yes right because we can get trapped right we can get just caught up in that vortex of all that negativity and it's it's just your your reality and how do you get out of it 
and we we need to when i think the the younger generations Mm -hmm. and and of the pandemic have given us the time to think about purpose Mm -hmm. and why we do things Mm -hmm. and i think if we can galvanize that as a society we can really make change Mm -hmm. for the better for all of us Mm -hmm. i i that's an important comment sean is to galvanize it as a society individually you know that we individually we can make small inroads but we can make tidal wave changes if we do it together and i'm again always looking at the glass half I'm the kind of person that says looking at it from a standpoint of positivity and in mm-hmm. and, and, and good energy versus I'm angry as hell and I'm gonna burn your house down mm-hmm. I'm I'm actually the, mm-hmm. the former uh, and I think that we can we can do that there's there's just so much change afoot and so much opportunity afoot in it and some people are listening some people are not listening some companies are willing to change some companies are not mm-hmm. willing to change and the truth of it is it's going to take time. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't think we'll see what we want to see in our generation, but I don't yeah. know that that was ever the promise. Uh, but we're talking about it now, so hopefully, yeah. uh, generations, uh, you know, ahead of us, um, are listening to this podcast and see how far we've come, and hopefully, just life in is two better. years, in two years, yeah. we've mm-hmm. come along. To, mm-hmm. There, as as I was doing research, and, and I'm, mm-hmm. I love philosophy, is something that I studied in college uh, and when I was in France as well. There is this a philosophical movement uh, that is called long termism. Mm-hmm. And it is about long-termism. long-termism. long-termism and okay. it is about viewing everything in life from a long-term view, which is sometimes can be not not what we Americans do. We're we're now we're immediate, we're fast, we're you know live in the moment, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And it is it, it boils down to just three statements: future people count, and there may might be a a lot of them, mm-hmm. and we can make things better for them. Mm-hmm. And it's just those three basic sentences. It's it's very complex. Can and you I, repeat them again? So it's future people count. There could be a lot of them, and we can make their lives better. The last one is extremely important. Correct. Mm-hmm. We can make their lives better. Correct. Yeah. So that means that we have to be unselfish mm-hmm. in our choices, mm-hmm. which is about climate change, right? Mm-hmm. In our choices, but it's about everything. It's mm-hmm. about how we take care of our bodies. It's about how we take care of our communities, how we take care of our parks. How we use our resources. How we use our resources. Yeah. How we show up at a company that we like working so that the company is there long after we leave it, that we bring right. our better selves, that we're supportive to younger reporters so they can have a better experience and collectively the company and the individual thrive. Maybe it's also what we demand of these companies. Correct. If we can change the perception of success from year over year growth only to who's making the world a better place or who's doing the right thing by the most people, Mm -hmm. that's how we have to start thinking about success. Mm -hmm. It can't just be who's the biggest and who's growing the biggest. Yes, and because it has the component of not just us, it's it's about others, mm-hmm. about everybody else, about this collectively. It doesn't mean that we stop being competitive. Right. It doesn't mean that we don't want to make a profit. It doesn't mean that we don't want to have success. It just means at the root of emotional intelligence is being able to hold my emotional needs in conjunction with yours, mm-hmm. not being selfish and just looking mm-hmm. at me. So this is emotional intelligence at the corporate level. I think that's what a lot of companies are afraid of, right? That you're going to lose the the focus of uh, we're a profit making um, entity, and you know we're we going to be saddled with all these extra expenses and whatnot. It doesn't have to be that way. I disagree. 
Yeah. No, it doesn't have to be that yeah. way. It comes yeah. back to your point of right. view. Mm-hmm. Sean, remember at the height of the, the pandemic, mm-hmm. business had come to almost a grinding halt for my for business. You guys, for, yeah. I mean, it was mm-hmm. significantly, significantly decreased. It was coming up on the holidays. And um, I, we always, uh, the, the, we're with my company, US Executive Search, we're very mm-hmm. generous. We donate a lot. Um, to different organizations, I believe in feeding people, making sure kids go to college, and making sure that little animals are are taken of care course. of. Those are my those are my my passion. In that order. In that order. <laughs> well, sometimes I'm a little bit out of order, but then we'll leave it alone. Um, and at the height of the pandemic, uh, when we had very few projects we were working on and working really hard, um, mm-hmm. we we decided it was not right to send corporate gifts. So we came up with the idea that we were going to feed families, and mm-hmm. then. It wasn't enough to just feed them the Thanksgiving dinner. We chose to feed them from Thanksgiving through New Year. We were delivering food to certain I families. When you did this. Yeah. And I have never seen the team so energized to work hard because to to handle the projects we were working on so that we could have the money to keep doing what we wanted to do. So I disagree. They were galvanized. We were galvanized yeah. mm-hmm. by how good we felt. Yeah that we were helping people that were so appreciative to to have food and 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 not have food insecurity during the holidays because they were not working um and by by default we did more project work we closed more projects and the company made more money so i disagree it's your perspective and it's about mm-hmm. the i couldn't have done it with my team if my team didn't believe like I did, if I had a bunch of people saying, well, why are you giving it to them? You don't give it to me. It wouldn't have worked. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't involved in just hearing about this. It makes me feel good. Yeah. So it, it does have its ripple effects. Of course. Still today, right? Of course. So that goes to your point, Sean. We have to ask different things of companies. Mm-hmm. We have, If we ask it of ourselves, we have to ask it about the companies we work for. And the younger, I mean, we're starting. Yeah. We've mm-hmm. all, we started that now. And the younger generation, they're going to demand it. They so are. things are about to get interesting as, as time goes yeah. on. And even if companies aren't going to change, you yourself, the individual, can make those those mm-hmm. micro changes in yourself, right? So you can kind of pull away Absolutely. a little bit from the grind culture and and give yourself a little bit of that, at least for yourself. You know, on the outside, you might look like you're hustling and grinding, but to yourself, you know that you're doing what's best for you, right? And it's also making you happy. Right. And, and that Happiness. is something that I want to to take a moment and, and, and bring a little bit of a light to, to this because as I was thinking about and in reading different things and just um, trying to find those five minutes of quiet, which <laughs> I figured out what my five minutes are, which is more like 10 or 15. Okay. Oh, that's um, good. Someone from my <laughs> team said to me, because I was, I was telling her and sending her pictures, and she said, Cecile, I think this is your meditative happy place. Is it Wordle? It's Sudoku. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. No, it's it's my squirrels. Of you know course. that I feed all the squirrels. Oh, I yeah. look yes. forward to yes. coming out in the morning, <laughs> sitting in my back stoop in my backyard, and I have all these squirrels. Some of them eat out of my hand, for which I buy them, unfortunately, very expensive raw nuts. <laughs> But they make me happy. I don't yeah. say a word. Well, I do talk to them sometimes, but that's a different story. But I, I am so happy, and I feel mm-hmm. two things. I feel like I'm at peace and one with nature, and I feel like I'm my father's daughter because my father Aww. adored animals. Aww. 
That's really nice to hear. It and is. And you do that for, I'm sure, more than five minutes a day. That's why I said I think I do it for more like 10 or 15 minutes in the morning. So there's, there's, it took a while, right, Sean? We told yeah. her about soap operas. <laughs> no. She failed with Netflix. She <laughs> failed miserably. And, and she right realized it was something she was already doing. It's like uh, uh, Dorothy in Wizards <laughs> of Oz. You were already I here. I was. I was. You were home already. And, it was right in your own backyard. And so this morning... Uh-huh. When this happened, so I got up, you know, I get up in the morning, I, I do my thing and I look at my email and it was probably like 6.15 in the morning mm. and I went to reply to the email, but I heard one of, I call them squirrelies, one of my squirrels outside chirping and I thought, no, I put my phone down. Wow. I went outside <laughs> for 15 minutes and I just hung out with them and it made me so happy. And so I remembered this, um... This post that I read from, uh-huh. uh, he is a, a, a business consultant. He's a really brilliant guy. I met him through one of our clients. Mm-hmm. What he does is he coaches new CEOs who received a lot of money from private equity firms to fund their companies okay. up for growth. His name is uh, Mar- uh, Eric Marcoulier. He's a brilliant individual. Mm. And he posted this on his on his LinkedIn. And I'll, I'll, I'll distill what it says. He basically says, how can we go find and make a better life for ourselves when all of us have been, he doesn't use the word grind, but mean, but he meant to, he was saying when all of us have been working so hard and just going through the motions Mm -hmm. and we don't even know what really makes us happy because we've replaced it with things that we think make us happy, Mm -hmm. things that everybody else is doing. So you have to go out and find out, really quiet yourself, really still your mind and find out what makes you happy um, through trial and error, mm-hmm. and then keep doing that. And he came up with a, a list that he says he tweaks uh, of how different parts of your life yeah. to find what makes you happy. So he had seven different things, and they had a correlation to work and what the what that value was. One of them was how he was a better father to mm-hmm. his children. One of them, mm-hmm. how he was a better... Uh, coach to his clients mm-hmm. the other one was um, creating a lasting memory with the the person he loves in his life mm-hmm. and this was on an, on an everyday basis and it's interesting because he gave the value so for that it was fa- one was fatherhood one was corporate support one was intimacy the other one was having a deep conversation with a close friend and that was human connection the other is exercise wow. to the point of exhaustion. That was physical s- strength. One was what he values was music, m- taking the time to listen to music. And the last one was doing something creative because the mind needs creativity. And I thought I had never seen it broken down. You know, mm-hmm. these are the seven activities yeah. and this is the value they bring to my life. And this is how I'm going to give myself mental and physical rest. This is how I'm going to enrich myself. This is going to enrich myself as a whole human. Intimacy and creativity were the two that kind of popped out in that list. And how many times do we just kind of throw that to the side and just keep going forward, right? Yeah. How was your day? Great. Exhausting. Oh, sorry, honey. Mm -hmm. Moving on next. How are you? Mm -hmm. I'm tired. Okay. Yeah, me Mm -hmm. too. What are we going to do now? Right. It's just. That's wonderful. That's really cool. I, I thought it was. I thought it was a brilliant morsel of of information, a gift that in an unexpected place. Well, it sounds like it's a to do list everyone should adapt. Yes. Yes. To it, be happier yeah. and just try for a couple of days and see if if you can tell a difference. It took me a week. <laughs> <laughs> well, a week to find 
that I already had right in my backyards. Isn't that amazing? My backyard, my 15 minutes of, of happiness where I got to connect with nature, with I love, and connect with my father, which I who I adore still and forever will. And, um, and I think that's how I, I don't live with regret, Juan. I like that. And going back to what I said earlier when I was looking at uh, those young students and I said I was looking at myself in the mirror, you kind of did the same thing. Yes. You looked in the mirror and you found your joy just a few feet from your... From, from your my, backyard. From there. my backyard. So before we go, Cecile, one more thing. And this is a direct quote mm-hmm. from the brilliant Eric Marcoulier. How can you possibly chase meaning in your life when you don't know what constitutes meaning for you? So we invite all of you to mm-hmm. take the time to find what's meaningful to you. And that will bring us to the end of another episode of Ends With Z. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please share and tell your friends. You can find out more about us at endswithz.com. For Cecile Munoz and executive producer Sean Moe, I'm Juan Fernandez. Have a good one, because above all else, you matter. Music